Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's the first day of school here, and I'm so excited on one hand. And on the other hand, it's the first day or the first last day of pre-K. I think we talked about that last week, and I'm a little sad about that. But Yes. But my kids are ready. A lot of mixed emotions. Yeah, yeah. We, we do a thing every year before the first day of school, the night before. We go and we drive around to each of the kids' schools. We pray for them and their teachers, the administrators, and the school. And then we go have ice cream. Nice. We did that last night. We had a little fun and uh, had a great time last night. And... We're, they're all ready to go. Well, excellent. We've still got a few weeks before schools are back in North Carolina, but uh, it certainly is that time of year. Yes, it is. So uh, I know a lot of people getting geared up or about ready, or maybe some have already even started. I know some in your area have started, the uh, the ones that do the year-round schools. Right. They started a few weeks ago. So they, They've been in since July, and some of the uh, private schools and That's others have, wrong, have, have begun. So That's wrong on so many levels. Well, they get long breaks in the fall. They get a really long Christmas break. It's just a different, it's just a different kind of routine. But we, we did not, we were not zoned for a year round school when we moved here. So we never got into that. We're just sort of straight regular year, but it starts here in a few weeks. Uh, in the Whitfield house, we, uh, we are in a new house actually. So got, That's right. got the move done and. It's our first week in the new house. Yes. Yeah, so we're recording from a completely different, recording from a different spot this week. And I, I see you brought the brown paneling with you. Yes, I did. Um, lots of wood in the last house, not quite as much in this one, but the room where I am recording is the room with all the wood. So, yes. All right. Your, your office smells of rich mahogany. Yes, very much so. <laughs> or something like that. Something like that. Yes. All right. Well, before we jump into it, uh, we want to remind you that if you're not casual about your faith, your Christian college shouldn't be either. As the undergraduate school of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Boys College exists to prepare men and women for gospel service in areas like biblical studies, business, teaching, ministry, and more. You can study on campus in Louisville or online. You can find out more at boyscollege.com. Haven't heard back from them about our, our offer to trade out sponsorship for scholarships, Amy. So I'll... Uh, oh, I'll let just, me know. Let me know how that I'll goes. I'll just keep in touch if, if they do. So, all right, we got a couple of legal updates. A new lawsuit filed this week by the North American Mission Board against the city of Clarkston, Georgia, after they changed some restrictions uh, to not allow them to uh, demolish a couple of uninhabitable farmhouses from the 1900s. Yeah, so essentially they are saying that the city has waffled on the approval to demolish the older structures. And so this was part of their plans to completely rebuild the facilities. And they're saying they had an agreement with Clarkston to demolish them. One was being held together with huge bolts just to keep the walls from separating. And apparently there's been kind of a back and forth or or uh, going back on the agreement. And so that's what this is about. They have filed demolition permits for these houses on April the 26th uh, for generic houses that are vacant and uninhabitable per the a lawsuit and the story here in Baptist Press. But four days later, the city council adopted a resolution imposing a moratorium. We've seen legal disagreements over property issues and property use in metropolitan areas and, and, and municipalities. So uh, this is nothing new that we've seen on, on our podcast. We've covered several of these. I remember uh, we had a, 
a church in Chicago. Remember that it was something about the parking and that the they didn't want to be zoned for a church in the area. The municipality was fighting that or whatever. So we've seen these religious liberty issues and when it comes to cities and, and religious groups. What makes this unique, though, is that the North American Mission Board is trying to put a ministry center there. It already houses six ethnic congregations, and they're looking to expand that ministry center for us in relief. So uh, that's why North American Mission Board is involved in this. So we will keep an eye on this lawsuit and see if a resolution can be reached and the the sin relief work can continue there in the city of Clarkston, Georgia. Over to Southwestern Amy, where they have responded to a lawsuit from a former student who claimed she was raped on campus at gunpoint by a student that was employed by the seminary. The legal documents were filed this week. You can read the details of those in the story at Baptist Press, as well as the legal documents that are online. Uh, But basically, Southwestern is arguing in their response that Paige Patterson had gone rogue in a sense, and was operating beyond what was required of him in the scope of his responsibilities as president of the seminary. Also, they're arguing that the trustees of the institution did not ratify what he did and how he handled the allegation of sexual assault. Uh, They don't really know the details of that argument yet, but uh, it appears the seminary is prepared to make the case that there was a disconnect between the actions of Patterson and what was established by the trustees That seems to be the defense that the lawyers are making. Essentially what they're saying, because this former student, the lawsuit that she filed was against uh, Paige Patterson as an individual and the institution, and the institution is claiming no liability in this case. Yes, they they stated that several times. So that's kind of the, the argument in a nutshell over several pages that institutionally they have no liability. Yes. And now some positive news from Southwestern. They have announced the establishment of the Center for Church Revitalization there at the campus in Fort Worth. Kenneth Priest, who works with the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention, will serve as the center's interim director. He's the uh, the revitalization specialist there with the SBTC. This is just something they want to resource, and they will provide equipping and training events, consulting services, just all kinds of opportunities to help pastors, church leaders, and the local church. They're going to start a sermon series for churches in need of revitalization. So it's like a sermon-based curriculum for preaching and small group to help churches who are getting ready to start a revitalization. So it's kind of an initial resource, and we can assume that more will be coming. Yes, and we've seen seminaries over the past couple of years really kind of get into the revitalization space. I think there's a Center for Biblical Revitalization at Southern And you guys have the Master of Arts in Church Revitalization at Southeastern. I think Southwestern has a DMIN program on revitalization. New Orleans has uh, the Caskey Center down there for um, small churches and bivocational pastors. So uh, a lot of good things happening at our seminaries for church revitalization. That's becoming something that is uh, getting a lot of attention these days in our seminaries. So grateful to see that. And Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means. CP. Yep, we are 1.45% over the year-to-date budget projection. So basically, how how much are we over, Amy, in money-wise? Are you kidding? Why would you (laughs) ask me that question? I don't do the numbers. I do not. I don't do the numbers. They said there would be no math. Yes. Oh, yes. I I am going to defer to my co-host for that. Okay. Back to you, Jonathan. Yes. Back to me. We are almost $2.4 million over budget right now in giving. We have two months left. That means we need two strong months to finish above 
the $194 million budget for the year. So it's looking good, Amy. I think this is going to be an, another strong year. Every year we've done the podcast, we've been over budget in CP giving. Correlation, causation, you decide. I can't even be part of that because, you know, we've even, we, we've had conversations. We've been part of writing articles to say correlation does not mean causation. We've helped research those things. We can't. No. I'm just saying, we're here promoting the cooperative program. Cooperative program is up. We weren't promoting the cooperative program. Cooperative program was under budget. You do the math. Maybe not you, but somebody. Oh, well played. I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to move on. There were a lot. We have, we are just happy that the cooperative program is we going are. up. We are. I'm yes. excited about that. So that that's always yes. a positive thing for us to report. And as we get closer to the end of the year, it's more exciting to see that we are probably going to make that $194 million budget. So that's fantastic. And that moves us over to Guidestone. Amy, they had a trustee meeting at the end of July, and they affirmed the challenges and the, the charges that J.D. Greer gave to the entities. And, and some people had given uh, you know motions. Uh, for response to how entities are handling sexual abuse, they they provided a response. It's at the bottom of the Baptist Press article here. Yeah, so uh, that was really helpful. That was one emotion that had asked every entity to answer how they are addressing the issue of sexual abuse. So we're going to see this from trustee meetings all throughout the year as boards respond to that motion. And so this is the first one, uh, and it's uh, very helpful. It's a, a lengthy statement, so we'll just link to the Baptist Press article, and you can read that. Yep. Also to note in the article here, as of June 30th, their assets hit another all-time high with $16.4 billion, that's billion with a B, in assets under management. So they, they manage retirement funds and everything, so those are continuing to grow. Their uh, contributions are up 22% for the first half of the year w- compared to last year. So that's pretty impressive. And uh, also, yeah. but over on the insurance front, claims have increased year over year and medical and prescription drug inflation is running higher than the amount used in pricing. And uh, so they've had to reduce carrier expenses and decrease internal operating expenses to help offset the increased claims and inflation. So We've seen, we've talked about insurance, health insurance, the rising cost in that. Guidestone continues to battle that. Uh, but then back on the positive front, they continue to grow on the property and casualty insurance front. And always the mission dignity, a highlight of what Guidestone does. Uh, total gifts are $4.4 million so far this year compared to just three point five last year. So they've got uh, about a million dollars more this year have come in for Mission Dignity, including contributions from 714 new contributors this year. So that's a fantastic wow. news on that front. Very cool. Amy, Ronnie Floyd, the new president and CEO of the executive committee, has gotten to work uh, over the past few weeks. He met last week with a couple of groups over in Atlanta, Georgia, the Convention Advancement Advisory Committee, as well as the Ethnic Fellowship uh, were both in attendance and heard updates from Dr. Floyd as president of the EC. Yes, and his message centered on five points about uh, what Southern Baptist should do, uh, that w- that we must live and breathe gospel urgency, empower all churches, all generations, all ethnicities, and all languages, tell and celebrate what God is doing, love like Jesus loved, and prioritize, elevate, and accelerate generosity. So uh, he's really just laying out that we need to have a culture uh, in the SBC that is doing these things. And so it was it sounds like it was a great time of encouragement. And I hope that the people there were really blessed. 
Yes, and speaking of these ethnic groups, uh, there was a meeting this past week in the White House. Dr. Moore was there um, with some different religious freedom issues uh, centering around some of uh, the religious freedom issues we've talked about, I think, on the podcast here over in Asia, uh, some of the Muslim internment camps in China, uh, different things like that. There's also a story in Baptist Press this week about uh, another meeting that some Asian-American Baptists had at the White House and in D.C., uh, with some government officials earlier in the summer. So a lot going on uh, with our ethnic Southern Baptist churches, and uh, good to see that. And also uh, another kind of a people group that you could say uh, that we reach to, and we have IMB missionaries for, deaf people around the world, we send missionaries to them. But the Southern Baptist Conference of the Deaf gathered for their 71st annual meeting and elected a woman president for the third time in their history, Amy, this past month at That's it. Ridgecrest. 71 years. That's really exciting. So they were at Ridgecrest. They had over 130 people from 20 states, plus Japan, Mexico, and Puerto Rico. And uh, they had special coverage on Facebook Live. So we should go back and look at that because they would have those videos um, in I don't speak sign language. So it's probably in ASL. Well, yeah, it probably is, but they might have subtitles. And I, I think we could still see... A Maybe. little bit of what was going Check on, and I and I know a little bit of ASL. I did. I took some classes in it when I was a a child and and stuff. But I just think this is really this is really great. And honestly, it is a group and an organization within the SBC that I have not learned a lot about, and would love to. Uh, it says that workers from the IMB and NAM gave reports from all the places that they are serving among the deaf. And uh, just working to share the gospel and, and minister to uh, deaf people. Yes. And, and little known fact, Beth Howe is big into sign language. She took a lot of classes in it in college, uh, still does a little bit of work here and there with that. I proposed to her in sign language. Did you? I did. So that's little, little nugget impressive. right there. Yeah, a little nugget. That is so. really, that's really impressive. Yes. Well, thank you. A couple of updates on some stories that we've covered in the past. Uh, back a few months ago, Jacob Haslett uh, was arrested in November uh, after being accused of molestation at a New Spring church. Um, they've actually have more charges uh, that have been brought to him. He now faces a total of 23 indictments uh, for that at New Spring Church in South Carolina. And also, uh, we've talked about Southwest Baptist University and uh, the council that they had that had come in and for doctrine uh, study of the university. Uh, well, the dean of the religion department at the university has left and has returned to the pastorate. He's headed to First Baptist Church of Jonesboro, Arkansas. They voted 374 to 1 to call Rodney Reeves as their senior pastor last week. He was the dean of the Redford School of Religion at Southwest Baptist University, so they'll be looking to replace him as the fall semester commences shortly. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the news this week, Amy. Uh, a lot of updates, a lot of you know, moving parts, uh, legal issues. So uh, just uh, things kind of picking back up here in the SBC. But that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we are going to go to 1958 to uh, something that was just a neat story that was kind of buried down in the Baptist press release from that from that time from uh, August 9th. And uh 
you know, we always have churches that are undertaking building projects. They're trying to to raise that money from within the church. And there was a there was a a, a Texas Baptist church loan department. So this would have been in the the Texas Baptists uh, the convention back then in 1958. They had a loan department, and they had an unusual church loan request. So it was from uh, Kearns, Utah, and they received. Uh, as part of the underwriting for the church loan, three bicycles and a $55 savings account from two little boys and their sister. And they had also volunteered to contribute the family lawnmower as collateral. Now, I, I'm, I wonder if their parents knew that they were volunteering the lawnmower. They were I don't sick know of mowing that. the yard and they were like, hey, yes, if we give this thing said, away. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, but the but it says that the loan department was thinking about it. They were considering it because they understood that these kids wanted to have a part in the building of their church. And uh it was this was just a little kind of blip article release in the middle of everything, but it caught my attention because I thought what a picture of generosity. And I mean, this is in 58. These kids are probably out there today, you know, somewhere and uh and and uh, who knows what came of the building project of the church, but what a great example of sacrifice. So they offered their own bicycles and a $55 savings account. And uh, I thought it was just a really neat example. So just a tiny little human interest story, uh, something special that was being talked about this week in SBC history. That's really cool. See, just hearts that are giving and see the kingdom bigger than our own possessions. What a great example that is. Yes. Very cool. All right. That's going to bring us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is an event that I'm getting to go to, Amy. How about this? So oh, yeah? In, what is it? In two weeks, Southern Baptist President J.D. Greer and Executive Committee President and CEO Ronnie Floyd will be with pastors in Orlando, Florida for a, an event, a lunch kind of rally for the annual meeting next year. Now, here on the podcast, we talk a lot about what, what's our number, what's our goal for Orlando? 10,000. 10,000 messengers. 12,000. Right. So. Well, yeah, we, 10, we want 10,000, but I'm thinking we'll make it 12. So that, but we really feel like 10,000 should be yes. the baseline, right? Yes. I've just been so, trying to break 10 for the last few years. Yes. So. so we're trying to break 10, but we really, I would love to see 12. I'd love to see five or 6,000 Southern Baptist churches, uh, regardless of the, the messenger count. I'd like to see that church participation number go up. But there's a meeting going on in Orlando. On the 21st, it's a lunch at First Baptist Orlando. David Youth is hosting that. So if you're in the Orlando area, find out about this meeting. Come to the meeting. It's going to be at lunch on the 21st. It's a Wednesday pastor's lunch. You're welcome to come. Find out. Contact First Baptist Orlando for more information about that. So I'm excited to get to go to Orlando to cover this, to be there. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So looking forward to that and looking forward to Orlando next June with at least 10,000 of my closest friends. All right, so my resource of the week is a book. One thing that's been fun about moving is we have to take all of our books, which we had in all these different places all over the other house. Now we're trying to organize them over here, and I'm getting excited about either books I've read or books I've bought in the last you know six or seven months that I haven't gotten a chance to read yet. And one of them was one I got in March, but I don't think I talked about it on the podcast. And it is called First, and it's a biography of Sandra Day O'Connor. As you know, Jonathan, I'm a big biography fan and sometimes like to share 
the ones that have gotten my attention. So I haven't read it yet because it came in, it's pretty thick and life got crazy, but it's here and I have gotten it back up close to the top of the stack. And so I wanted to throw that out there. It's by Evan Thomas, who's a really, really great historian. So I have high hopes. Cool. And and I forgot to mention, I, I had a chance this week to go to an ERLC leadership lunch and heard Emily Chapman Richards and Dr. Moore speak on orphan care and adoption and some of the challenges that are being faced by churches, by adoptive parents, by those wanting to support orphan care. So uh, that was a, a really neat little thing that the ERLC hosted this week. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that. I actually had a chance to sit next to Emily at lunch and uh, hear more about what she's got going over there at Show Hope. So uh, just really, really cool little event that we went to this week hosted by the ERLC. So doing great work on adoption and orphan care. Very cool. Amy, I hope you're enjoying the new house and the semester is just around the corner there at Southeastern. So what about a week and a half, two weeks? Yeah, something like that. We've got new student orientation coming up week after next, and then we will sort of kick it off. And then right after classes start at Southeastern, Wake County Public Schools kick it off, and the fall will be underway. Yes. So, So, well, it's going to be an exciting fall, I'm sure. We'll see you next week. See you next week.